0: The iPhone 4 was introduced on Friday. You could go to a local store and pick it up. And uh, I learned this because I sat with Jenny for about two hours at Radio Shack while um, she went through the process of getting the new iPhone. It was one of those opportunities for great prayer and fasting. And uh, I did sneak away and got one of those back massages by uh, a lady named Tammy um, out near the fountain. Uh, It was just one of those afternoons, but Jenny has been waiting for this new iPhone for about two years because uh, Jack and I got the upgrades and uh, left her in the cold, and her phone really did not work any longer. It would go off in church, I mean, you know, just all of a sudden... Tough audience this She's uh, shaking her head at me. But it would do all kinds of things that it wasn't supposed to do. And so it was time for her to get an upgrade. So she got a, the, the new iPhone. And one of the big differences that, that we found on the iPhone, it has a little bit different uh, hardware to it, a little bit faster, and has some other features. But the real key feature is called Siri. Siri is Jenny's new friend. Uh, Siri is a way to be able to talk to your phone. It, it's a lot like voice recognition that existed on the previous iPhones where you could talk, you could say, call home, and it would call home. But Siri is much more intelligent than that. Siri, uh, if you say, I want to know the definition of church, it will, you just say it and Siri will look it up and she'll take you to the webpage dictionary.com or something like that and it will tell you what the definition is. If you want to call home, then, you, again, you can say, call home. Or if, if she wants to say, text John that I'm mad at him, um, it will text me that she's mad at me, and, um, and I'll know right away. Uh, but it, it, it has all of this intelligence. It's artificial intelligence, and that's really where you'll see more and more phones, not just the iPhone, but others are going. But one thing that happened is we got our phone home and began to uh, try to work with Siri. Siri did not recognize Jenny. Siri was calling Jenny John. Uh, You know, I can't blame Siri, but that's what was taking place. So what we had to do finally, I I just thought, well, she can't go around having it call her John all the time and, and, you know, try to think about me and uh, my artificial intelligence. But... Uh, We had to go in and change the the name. We had to tell Siri that this is not John, this is Jenny, and made sure it was registered under the right name so that it could get the name right. And so now I think it does. There's no telling what she's whispering into Siri back there on her phone. Our text today lets us know that we are on a first-name basis with God. It reminds us that God knows our names, that God is... uh, beyond intelligence, and that God has a way of knowing who we are and is able to call out our name at any given time and be able to network and relate to us in some incredible ways. And as we look at this text of Scripture today, as as we hear about Moses and the interaction he has with God, there are just some wonderful things that we can take away with us today about God. Moses came to know that God knew his name, and even he called him by name. And so as we look at this text, if you look back at either your Bible, or if you look here on the back of the bulletin, the uh, verses aren't numbered on there, but you can look and see, uh, and I, I remember as Betty was reading this, it just stuck out to me again. Where uh, he says, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you shall send with me. You know, Moses has his excuses, and he says, you've not let me know uh, who it is that is uh, calling me. He says, yet you've said to me, God, I know you by name, and you've also found favor in my sight. Now, if i found favor in your sight, show me your way so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. And he goes on to uh, talk to God here, remind God that you, you know... God, you said that you knew me by name and we've got this relationship and he's reflecting on the fact that God knew his name. He knew his name was Moses and he found him out in the desert. He'd been out there 40 years running from the law, out there tending this stinky sheep and you know, just living as a nomadic shepherd. And there he was. And there was God. Remember that bush? Yeah. And he says, Moses, Moses, come closer. Take off your shoes. Moses. He knew Moses' name. And he also had called him on, a pur- on purpose. If you look through all this, this is the struggle that's there. Of course, God had already uh, used him to, uh, to call out his people from slavery and to lead them out of Egypt. And they're headed as they go to the promised land. This was God's purpose for Moses, was to lead and to direct them in the way that they were to go. So it's not just calling by name, it's calling by purpose. And if you'll look here in the text, he even says it again. God reminds him, Moses, I know you, uh, and I know you by name. Uh, and Moses says, show me your glory, I pray. So again, another reminder, God is saying, yeah, Moses, I know your name, and it is important to me. There was a guy named Scott, uh, uh, also there's a, a tent of meeting there, um, Not an actual tent of meeting, but I think it's pretty close, as you can see, where Moses would have have met with God. Uh, But there's a guy named Scott Ginsburg who uh, developed this uh, campaign for name tags. Scott thinks that everyone ought to have a name tag, and Charlene Kelly feels the same way, because all of you have name tags on. If you don't, she'll get you before you go out. But, Hello, My Name is Scott, is a book, and it says, Wearing Name Tags for a Friendlier Society. And uh, there was an article uh, that came out recently, it says, While some might find wearing a name tag to be a temporary annoyance, Scott has worn a name tag all day, every day, since November 2nd, 2000. If you look on his website, you'll see uh, how many days it's been since he's done that. Scott's purpose is to encourage people to become friendlier and more approachable. He's been recognized as the world's foremost expert on name tags. Woohoo! That's great. And uh, CNN, Washington Post, Associated Press, USA Today, they've all recognized him. And he's a, now a sought-after speaker and consultant for organizations from churches to Fortune 500 companies. And Scott has two basic instructions on how to be more welcoming. He says, go beyond the door. And then he says, talk to strangers, extending welcome to the new guy. And it's all about wearing the name tag. That we would have a much better society and a friendlier society if we just had a name tag on and we'd be able to recognize somebody's name and uh, for them to be able to recognize us. And that way we could develop better friendships and better relationships. I, I don't know if that is the key to world peace or not, but it's a pretty good idea. And it's, we love to have our name recognized, don't we? But the best thing to know today is that God recognizes your name. You don't have to wear a name tag with God. As God looks at you, He has no question in His mind who you are. In fact, as David reminds us in the psalm, that God knew us before we existed. God knew us before we were ever in our mother's womb. Psalm 139. God, you you are familiar with all of my ways, David would say. Moses came to discover this, and we can discover it as well. God knows your name. That means you are not a nobody. You know, we often feel like we are. If we think about the universe, uh, if we think about, and I know y'all are always thinking about the universe and galaxies, and you know, not just our universe, but other universes. I've seen y'all reading Stephen Hawking um, in your spare time. But but sometimes we we feel that way, that we are nobodies, or we are made to feel that way by other people. That we don't really matter. That the things that we're going through, the things that we're feeling, the challenges that come to us, make us feel so insignificant. Have you ever felt that way? Felt that way recently? Well, what God says to us by knowing our name is you are not a nobody. You are not forgotten. You may feel forgotten. You may say some angry things to God that, uh, you know, shake your fists. At God? God, you have forgotten me. I'm not going to believe you anymore. It's funny how we say that to God. You know, God, I don't really believe in you anymore, but we're talking to God and saying that. But God says, No, I have not forgotten you. And we find testimony after testimony here in God's Word and the lives of people ever since that He doesn't forget us. We go through some difficult times. We go through the valleys of the shadow of death. And as It says in Isaiah, sometimes we walk through the fire, sometimes we walk through the difficult days. But he always says, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten what it is that you are going through. And there is a level of intimacy that is there when somebody knows our name, when God knows our name. But it also means that as He calls your name, He calls you with a purpose. You have a purpose in life. And sometimes people, I know the uh, women's class today was talking about God's will. I'm not sure where they ended up with that, but it is a, you got it all figured out. You know what God's will is. But as, uh, as we think about what God's will is, we can know that whatever it is, God has a purpose in our lives. As He, as he uh, understands what our name is, He calls us by that and calls us to do things for Him. He called Moses to a task. He called David to a task. He called Paul to a task. He called John and Matthew, called Matthew away from tax collecting. He said, I have a purpose for you. He looked at Peter and he said, I've got such purpose for you. I'm going to name you with the potential that you have within you. I'm going to call you a rock because you are going to be a solid rock. You're not right now, but you're going to be. I see purpose in you. And what God does is He looks at you. He says, yep, I I see Patsy, I see Evelyn, I see Shauna. Um, I see Ralph, I, I see them, and I see the purpose in their lives. And I want them to move ahead and to fulfill that, just as God wanted Moses to take the people on into the promised land. So know, as you have recognition with God with your name, you also have calling that's built into that. Well, Moses also found from God that God wanted a deeper relationship with him. It wasn't just about name recognition. You know, you could have a name tag on and, you know, see somebody at an event and go, Hey, Jim, you know, as you look down at the name tag. But that doesn't mean that you have a deeper relationship with that particular person. It just, it's a little bit superficial to say, you know, look at the name tag. And it's always obvious that somebody's looking at it to get your name. But that, that doesn't imply intimacy. But what we find here with, uh, with God and with Moses, in fact, if you back up to verse 11, there is this description uh, in chapter 33 where, where uh, it says that Moses met with God face to face. Now, what that is saying is, and we know this because um, it says later, you know, God says you can't see my face, you can't see me in that way, or you won't be able to live. And so what it is talking about is is this intimate relationship. It is Moses' soul connecting in with God. There is a deep relationship or a deepening relationship that is going on there. And Moses would get up and he would go to the tent of meeting, as I showed earlier. He would get up from his sleep or he would get up from uh, leading the people or whatever it is that he was doing, and he would go out to the tent of meeting. This was the, uh, the, the tabernacle where God would meet with his, uh, his priests, or he would meet with Moses. Moses went on out there to meet with God. So there was this great delight as he would get up and meet with God, and then he would come out of the tent. It was just this face-to-face kind of time and this uh, special kind of relationship. And Moses would continue on with this. You see down in uh, verses 17 through 19, where uh, he is wanting to see more of God. He says, "Uh, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He said to him, if your presence will not go, do not carry me up from here. For how shall it be known that uh, I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? The Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight. Moses said, Show me your glory, I pray. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you um, the, the name of the Lord. And I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And he says, But, you know, he said, You can't see me face to face. But there is this burning desire within Moses to see more of God, to go deeper in his relationship with God. David Brooks uh, is uh, just a wonderful author and, and writes uh, for the New York Times and has several uh, books out, including uh, The Social Animal. I think he has one that's even newer than that that is out. But in, the, um, in Donald Miller's book, How the Fall Makes You Feel, and if you've never read Don, Donald Miller, I highly recommend him to you. Uh, but he is writing about uh, David Brooks, The Social Animal. He says, the 19th century English poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge described how his own son, then three years old, awoke in the night and called to his mother, Touch me, only touch me with your finger, the boy pleaded. The child's mother was astonished. Why? she asked. I'm not here, the boy cried. Touch me, mother, so I may be here. Donald Miller quoted this story, then he observed, Essentially, we are all calling out for God to touch us, that we may know that we are here. And yet He waits and we go untouched and seek out the knowing we exist in a thousand other ways. As I read that, I thought about how we have that same desire to know that we are here, that we actually exist, that there is something that is real about us and real about our world and real about God. And what we say in a thousand different ways is, God just touch me. Touch me so that I might know that I am real, that I have a name, that I have purpose, and that you love me. And we cry out to God in that way. God answers that cry. God shows up. God approaches us as we see here with Moses. And he wants to go deeper with us, and he expresses that to us. And this means that we can have face to face kinds of encounters with God. I mean, that kind that Moses had, that was this deep relationship that was growing and growing as he was getting more and more connected in with God. What does that look like in your life in terms of face to face time with God? How do you spend time with God? Where is your cleft of the rock? or as he would say, the tent of meeting, as Moses would go out to the tent of meeting. Now, we are all, as after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given, and we become tabernacles. Each one of us become a tabernacle of, of God's Holy Spirit. So you don't have to go very far. And the very best tent of meeting really begins with Jesus. God revealed Himself most clearly in Jesus Christ, in Christ. It's referred to as special revelation. God revealed Himself in such a special way, even more special than Moses encountered in the tent of meeting. So that is where we begin, is in Jesus. But it's spending time every day getting to know God through Jesus Christ. It means stopping and being quiet and getting to know Him. Well, Moses also found... That God wanted him to be aware of his abiding presence as he went on from that particular place. As he would get out of the cleft of the rock and as he would go on elsewhere. He wanted him to know that he was there and that he would continue to be there. If you look (laughs) down here, you might just, you know, take a pen and underline this or somehow mark it for yourself and take it with you in this next week. He, He says, consider too that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses was having great doubts about whether or not God was going to go with him. And he continued to do this. And if you'll look at others, Joshua, uh, Elijah, Jonah, I mean, you look at everybody, they're all questioning if God is going to go with them and what God has called them to do. It is this, this churning within them. It is this time of doubt. It is kind of a dark night of the soul. Moses is saying, but God, how will they know? How will... How will I know that you're going with us? And he says, Moses, my presence will go with you. It's not just going to stay over there in the cleft of the rock. It's going to go with you, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest from your doubts and from your problems and from your challenges. I'm going to give you some rest. And so Moses begins to walk away with that. In the book, uh, Sunlit Absence by Martin Laird, Uh, he writes about this level of awareness and this kind of intimacy. And he says, uh, he's talking about his book, and he says, uh, uh, it's really about one big thing. By the grace of creation and redemption, there is a grounding union between God and the human person. In the depths of this ground, the between cannot be perceived, for it is completely porous to the divine presence. Indeed, there is more presence than preposition." While this is the simplest and most fundamental fact of our spiritual lives, it takes a lifetime to fully realize it. Though this grounding union in which we live and move and have our being is unshakable, one of the characteristics of the human condition is that we spend many decades of our lives in sheer ignorance of this. The reason for our ignorance of the most obvious and simplest of facts about our spiritual life is the constant inner noise and chatter that creates and sustains the illusion of being separate from God, who, as St. Augustine reminds us, is already closer to me than I am to myself. God is already closer to you than you are to yourselves. And God wants you to understand that. God wants you to have an awareness about that. Do you have that kind of awareness? Do you have that level of awareness in your life as you go throughout the day? Think about where you go from day to day. I love that Dr. Seuss, uh, I think it's wherever you go, or uh, I think I got that title wrong, but you know the one. Places, Oh, the places that you'll go. And it just goes on to all these creative, interesting, Seussical kinds of, of places. But you'll go into all kinds of places this next week, won't you? Uh, Some of you will be in the classroom, some of you will be on the sports field, some of you will be in uh, a, a business meeting around a conference table somewhere, some of you will be out doing sales and marketing, some of you will be helping other people, some of you will be delivering meals on wheels, some of you will be waiting in line at the grocery store, some of you will be on the phone with a friend or with an enemy, some of you will be Um, In in different organizations, uh, some of you will be visiting someone in the hospital. There are all different kinds of places that you will go. But will you be aware? Will you stop and take the time to recognize that God goes with you wherever you go? As you go into the difficult places of your soul or your mind or of your life in this next week, will you be aware that God is with you? in some sense you could already think you could think that God he's already there if God is the God of the past the present and the future he's already there and as you get there God meets you there and abides with you still martin luther king uh, recognized this and as the uh, martin luther king uh, junior memorial is uh, Recognized tonight, and as they have the special service for this, that uh, they had to change because of the the last hurricane Ike or whatever that was that came up the East Coast. Uh, they're going to be doing it tonight. And uh, there's a a wonderful story about Martin Luther King Jr. It comes from Charles Marsh in his book Welcoming Justice. He says most people know about the passion of Martin Luther King Jr. for racial justice and nonviolent resistance. However, some people aren't as familiar with King's deep Personal Faith in Christ. In his book, Welcoming Justice, Charles Marsh describes one of King's profound encounters with the risen Christ. In January of 1956, Martin Luther King Jr. returned home around midnight after a long day of organizational meetings. His wife and young daughter were already in bed, and King was eager to join them. But a threatening call, the kind of call he was getting as many as 30 to 40 times a day, interrupted his attempt to get some much-needed rest. When he tried to go back to bed, he could not shake the menacing voice that kept repeating the hateful words in his head. King got up, made a pot of coffee, and sat down at his kitchen table. With his head buried in his hands, he cried out to God. There in his kitchen, in the middle of the night, when he had come to the end of strength... King met the living Christ in an experience that would carry him through the remainder of his life. I heard the voice of Jesus saying still to fight on, King later recalled. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. He promised never to leave me, no, never alone. In the stillness of the Alabama night, The voice of Jesus proved more convincing than the threatening voice of the anonymous caller. The voice of Jesus gave him the courage to press through the tumultuous year of 1956 to the victorious end of the Montgomery bus boycott. More than that, as Marsh says, it gave him a vision for ministry that would drive him for the rest of his life. Yes, Martin Luther Jr. King King Jr. was assassinated and terrible days ensued after that. Yet what he discovered, even in the midst of all of that, was that he was never alone. Never alone. You can know that in your life today as well. As you recognize that that God knows your name, He's called you for a purpose. As you recognize that God wants to go deeper in an eternal relationship with you, and as you recognize that God abides with you wherever it is that you go, how will you respond to God's desire for you today? Let's go to him in prayer. O God of Moses, we come to you today recognizing you are the same God